From Vermont Digger, I'm Mike Doherty. This is The Deeper Dig. Today is Thursday, July 5th. In the past two months, debate over the Trump administration's immigration enforcement policies have dominated the national conversation. Lately, we've been looking at Vermont's role in that conversation, starting with a federal program that's headquartered right in Williston. You have reached the Homeland Security Investigations tip line. Your information is very important to us. We are currently experiencing a longer wait time than normal. This tip line got started in 2003. It started as part of an initiative that was really cracking down on child predators. VT Diggers Elizabeth Hewitt has been looking into this program. Pretty soon thereafter, it became a much broader initiative, taking tips on all kinds of offenses that fall within ICE's jurisdiction. The Homeland Security Investigations tip line is for reporting suspected crimes and violations of United States laws under the jurisdiction of the Department of Homeland Security. Homeland Security Investigations is the investigative division of Immigration and Customs Enforcement, also known as ICE, an agency within the Department of Homeland Security. And these are tips not just from within Vermont. No, no, they're from all across the country. This is anybody who calls the tip line that is listed right on ICE's website. That phone call gets answered in Williston, Vermont, right down the street from a Bed Bath & Beyond. What kinds of calls are they fielding nowadays, typically? They take tips on more than 400 different law violations. So it's a huge range of things. And if you look at their website, it's pretty much everything. It's anything from a customs or trade violation. To report customs violations, including smuggling of cash, drugs, firearms, or weapon systems. To child pornography. To report an individual or group suspected of engaging in crimes against children. To terrorism. To report an individual or group suspected of involvement in terrorism or activities related to national security. There's a huge range of stuff that's on there, but among the many things that fall under ICE's jurisdiction are immigration-related offenses. To report immigration violations, including transnational gang activity, human rights violators, benefit fraud, including visa fraud, aliens involved in or convicted of crimes. And certainly a number of tips that they get are related to people's status in this country. To report the presence of undocumented aliens or the employment of undocumented aliens in the United States, press 1. We don't know exactly how those numbers break down. I know from my reporting that there are many calls that come in that relate to somebody's status, or it also relates to um, workplaces that hire undocumented workers. So these are definitely the types of calls that are coming in. What are the potential concerns with a program like that operating? When I was calling around to different experts and civil liberties groups, I actually didn't find a whole lot of people that really knew much about this particular tip line. But just in general, when you're looking at this kind of law enforcement tip line, advocates and and civil liberties experts have some concerns about the types of things that can be called in, that basically some believe that tip lines can kind of lead to deputizing the public in general for law enforcement. I, I spoke with one expert from Georgetown who said anybody can potentially be an ICE agent, right? If you can just call into the tip line and, and alert ICE. And that can feed into, uh, according to him, a, a culture of, of fear and sort of exacerbate biases that people might already have. It kind of gives a platform for those to be exaggerated as people report those in. It's interesting because there's been a shift over the last couple of years with the change in presidential administration in how different types of 
immigration offenses are handled. Under the Obama administration, folks who were in the country without documentation, if they were working but if they didn't really have a criminal background, that kind of thing, they were more or less considered a low priority for deportation. That changed when President Trump came into office. He, one of his first things he did in office actually was sign an executive order that really broadened the categories that ICE was directed to prioritize for deportation. We are going to get the bad ones out, the criminals and the drug deals and gangs and gang members and cartel leaders. The day is over when they can stay in our country and wreak havoc. That includes now people who are facing a criminal charge, people who are using public services um, who aren't citizens, whole swaths of people that previously had not really been considered priorities. And we've seen that actually, the result of that, we've seen in statistics that there's been a big uptick in the number of people who have been deported since President Trump took office. How has that affected what's going on at this facility in Williston? It's hard to know exactly because we don't have a breakdown of the calls. Um, I have filed a Freedom of Information request for that, so we'll see if we can get some more details on that. But what we do know is that there's been a big uptick in the number of calls that they've gotten. Between fiscal year 2016 and fiscal year 2017, they had a 27% increase in calls to more than 160,000 in total. It's a lot. For a fairly small shop, I mean, this is they have 34 full-time employees and have recently brought in some contractors on a short-term basis. So it's not a big operation. But it appears to be expanding. They did not say that they have any clear plans for that at the moment. But my contact at ICE did say that, you know, if as upward pressures exist on the line, that they would consider uh, potentially putting more resources into it. There's been a lot of scrutiny around what the Trump administration is doing with immigration policy over the past few weeks. Let's talk about how that tipped off. Well, the Trump administration a couple months ago changed the policy for when people entered the country illegally across the southwest border. They put in place a new zero tolerance policy, which essentially meant that if you cross the border illegally, i.e. not at a port of entry, you would immediately be arrested and face criminal charges. I have put in place a zero tolerance policy for illegal entry. Uh, on our southwest border. If you cross the border unlawfully, then we will prosecute you. It's that simple. So what was happening as a result of this adoption of the zero tolerance policy is that because children cannot be held in federal prisons where adults were being held, they were separating children from their parents. And then children were being transferred to the custody of a, of a different government agency, being held either in facilities near the border in that area, or they were sent to foster care homes and centers really around the country. I remember when the images from some of those detention centers started circulating, I was here at Montpelier kind of watching that news explode on Twitter. You were in Washington. How were those conversations playing out down in D.C.? This was a hugely explosive issue in in Washington. I mean, Democrats were very early on in condemning this, and there was a a delegation that went to the southwest border that included Vermont Representative Peter Welch, who kind of went on this fact-finding mission to kind of see what exactly was happening. It's a pretty pretty grim sight to see really good, young, healthy-looking kids with so much fear, so much anxiety, so much wonder of what is next. 
He said it was pretty shocking. Um, he was pretty angry about the situation. He had been to a number of different facilities, including a port of entry where there's been a, just huge lines of people sort of waiting to come to the port of entry so they don't cross illegally because theoretically they could come and, and ask for asylum at the port of entry and be able to get in. He, he said he was there. He actually saw a woman come up with a child and go through the stages of trying to enter the country and request asylum legally. They also went to a couple different facilities where In some cases, families were still being held together and some uh, children had been separated. We've heard a lot about these cages, the children are being held in cages. These are these chain link fence sort of cubes in in large warehouse facilities that are where people are being processed. He said that he saw that. That is appalling and it is not American. He also visited another facility that's gotten quite a lot of attention, which is a center that is for children that have crossed the border unaccompanied, for mainly for teens. And this is in a former Walmart super center and had about 1,500 kids in it at one point. Now, some of those kids had crossed the border independently of parents. Um, some of those kids had actually been separated at the border from their parents. The cruel policy, Mr. Speaker, is the Trump administration's decision, willful, voluntary, calculated decision to make it a crime for a mother to do what mothers do everywhere and always, protect their children. But it was not just Democrats. Several high-profile Republicans joined in this call condemning this family separation policy. We saw some high-profile conservative religious groups joining in. And the Trump administration really defended this, and, and they claimed that they were just enforcing the law. He has been attempting to work with Congress since he's been in office. He's made it very clear that we will enforce the laws of the United States as long as this administration is here. The only people that benefit from the system right now are the smugglers, the traffickers, those who are peddling drugs, and terrorists. So let's fix the system. They said that this is the law that's on the books. We're following the law. This is up to Congress to change it. Now, that's not entirely accurate. Uh, Administrations have a fair amount of discretion in how to apply the policies that are on the books. Both the Bush administration and the Obama administration had chosen not to enforce the law in this way. So it was pretty broadly condemned. Let me just say what I think is on the minds of millions of Americans today, whether they're progressives or conservatives, Democrats or Republicans or independents, and that the United States of America is not and must never be about locking up little children in cages on the southern border. And eventually the Trump administration did reverse course on it somewhat. We're signing an executive order. It's about keeping families together while at the same time being sure that we have a very powerful, very strong border. border Although, you know, the fallout is still happening from this. Over the course of this whole conversation that's happening at the federal level, when do we start to see people in Vermont take notice and respond? Advocates in Vermont were very aware of this coming into place sort of along with the rest of the country. This pretty much from the beginning, I mean, it was in early June, the pressure started to mount in a pretty big way. And we started to see protests here in Vermont at that time, um, including one at this center in Williston, this ICE facility that the tip line and the law enforcement support center is at. So there's been a lot of scrutiny of this policy and a lot of people really rallying against it. We are telling the government that we are together and that we are demanding an end to the separation of families and we are demanding an end to the detention of families. Are you with me? 
And in the past couple of weeks, we've started to see these larger scale protests. There was one in Montpelier last week, and then over the weekend, this whole coordinated series of protests all around the country, including one in Burlington. Now that the Trump administration has already kind of walked back the family separation policy, what are we hearing from those rallies? What are people asking for now in terms of how the administration should enforce immigration policy? Right. So there's a couple of issues that are still in play here. One is that while the family separations have sort of technically ended because of this executive order, and there's been a number of court cases that have been sort of pushing that along and, and really stopping this practice from playing out, there are still thousands of children that have not been reunited with their parents as a result of this policy. So that's one of the more immediate concerns. And the bottom line is that family separation, this crisis, is not over until the administration proves that the policy has ended, which has not proved yet, and that every single child has been reunited with their parents. Where is the plan? Where is the plan to reunite families? Where is the plan to stop traumatizing people seeking asylum? More broadly, this has really become a, a flashpoint for people who strongly disagree with the Trump administration's approach to immigration policy. I mean, this was a major point of his campaign as he was on the campaign trail, really rallying for stronger immigration policies. And now that he's in office, he has put into place a lot of those. We've had major shifts in terms of who immigration authorities go after within the country, as well as really trying to clamp down entries from across the border as well. And one of the rallying cries that we've heard emerging from these protests is this call to abolish ICE, Immigration and Customs Enforcement, which is the agency that is responsible for enforcing immigration law within the country, away from the borders. Do we know anything about what that would actually look like if we just took ICE away? It's a bit of an interesting scenario to play out. ICE itself is not that old of an agency. It was created in 2003 at the same time that the Department of Homeland Security was created. There was immigration enforcement before that, but this is how this agency came to be in its current form today. And critics say that it has sort of led to this hyper-enforcement around immigration. It's really led to treating immigration more as a crime than as, as a civil offense or, you know, or otherwise. I think what that's coming from is a recognition that these are agencies that are fundamentally abusive, that um, for years have been acting as if they were above the law. This is James Duff Lyle, the head of the Vermont ACLU. And I think that's become even more apparent and impossible to ignore now with family separation policies, zero tolerance policies, but really all of the things that ICE and Border Patrol have been doing under the Trump administration, much of which they were doing under Obama and previous administrations. I think more and more people are waking up to the fact that these are badly broken agencies and that something needs to change. People who are behind this abolish ICE cry see that this is really a structural issue in how immigration is handled in the country. What has been interesting is watching as this is sort of mounted from being a pretty far left cry on the streets to something that more politicians are buying into than historically was the case. And we actually now there is a bill that is either out already or forthcoming in Congress that would abolish ICE. What they propose, it wouldn't actually get rid of immigration enforcement altogether. But what it would do is it would set a date to dissolve ICE at some point down the line, and in the interim set up a commission that would kind of study alternatives and eventually move towards what they would say, you know, hope would be a better way to enforce immigration in the country. As politicians are being kind of forced to take sides 
on this question, what should we do with ICE? Where have Vermont's key politicians fallen in that conversation? We touched base with Senator Leahy and, and Representative Peter Welch about this already. Both of them have sort of put it more on the Trump administration than on ICE itself. And sort of, and Senator Leahy kind of said that it, it's more about that ICE agents are, are being put in a position of sort of enforcing something that is they're being directed to. Well, I think you know, the only way to be abolished is the uh, way I was wanted to it. I think it was happened with ICE is they're there to be law enforcement. And the reason so many of them are either quitting or being critical, they're being told to do something else. Rounding up children, that's not what they're supposed to do. If they're actually going after criminals, they're actually doing things, they're actually following the law, that's fine. They cannot be ordered by the White House to basically ignore their mission in the law, and that's what's happening. Representative Welch similarly sort of said that he'd rather, you know, get rid of Trump than than get rid of ICE. There does not seem to be a huge amount of support for this from Vermont's politicians. They seem to be taking more of the line that, like, address the policy issues rather than the agency itself. Senator Sanders initially, when he was asked about this on television, kind of hedged about this a bit. What we need is Trump to sit down with members of Congress and work on a rational program which deals with a serious issue. But he came out with a statement to us this week where he said that he actually does think that there is a need to look at the immigration system and sort of passing comprehensive immigration reform. He said that he feels that that will require restructuring the agencies that deal with immigration. That includes ICE. So it's not quite a call to abolish ICE, but it seems like he's taking a stronger line on this than the other members of the delegation. Hmm. Restructure ICE. Hashtag restructure ICE. Okay. (laughs) You mentioned earlier that the Trump administration was really pressing Congress to come up with a resolution for this stuff, to legislate a better immigration policy into law. Where does that question stand right now? So immigration has been just this really complex issue in Congress for a long time and certainly through the last year that I've been there. There were efforts in the Senate to address immigration early this year that kind of fizzled. It was it was a week-long debate. Nothing came out of it. And and then in the House, there was recently another push by Republicans to consider two different bills. One was a bill that would have really um, overhauled the immigration system, made it much stricter, much harder to come in. The other one was billed by leadership as more of a compromise bill. This was designed to get some moderates on board. And both of those bills failed pretty notably on the House floor just a couple weeks ago. So at this point, you know, there have been efforts to take this up. But then when it actually comes time to put pen to paper, it doesn't seem that they can really get enough people on board to actually move forward with something. They just haven't been able to strike a deal. That's right. Generally, why do you think Vermonters feel so strongly about immigration policy? What's our role as a state in all this? Immigration is probably felt in the largest way in Vermont on dairy farms. There are several hundred, at least, dairy farm workers who are migrant workers in the state, and that's a big support for the industry. Vermont has some really pretty progressive immigration laws on the books, 
Notably, we have the driver privilege card system, which basically gives driver's licenses to people regardless of, of their status. So you can apply for one of these driver's cards if you don't have a U.S. passport or if you don't have proof of citizenship. A lot of politicians, certainly on the left, are concerned about it. And, you know, even like Governor Phil Scott, he he took some flack from some for not taking a, a stronger position earlier on with the border separations. But he was pretty clear that he does not support the separation of children and families at the border. And he wanted to see a resolution to that and was very supportive of Representative Welch's trip to the border. So, you know, I think in Vermont, these are not really very popular policies. You know, we are a border state, and I think a lot of people are pretty aware of that. Pretty much the entire state falls within this this 100-mile zone of the border where um, border enforcement authorities have a broader scope where they can conduct warrantless searches of vehicles without really much reason at all. And so I think Vermonters are really aware of that proximity. And so even though the southern border issues are very different than northern border issues, I think people pay attention to that kind of thing. Thanks, Elizabeth. Hey, thank you so much. You can find Elizabeth's reporting on ICE, along with more footage from the immigration protests in Montpelier and Burlington at vtdigger.org. Thanks to Elizabeth and to Alexander Silberman for additional audio in this episode. The Deeper Dig comes out every week You can subscribe using the links on our website or search for it in your favorite podcast app. If you like what you hear, leave us a rating or a review in the iTunes store. And get in touch. You can find my email address on the page or contact us through our Twitter or Facebook accounts at VTDigger. We'll be back next week with more stories from the Digger Newsroom. Have a nice weekend.